Um, just, just a comment, and then we're going to get into the word. I've got a word I just want us to bring. And we're going to have the cutting of the cake, but we thought we'd leave the cutting of the cake till after I've finished preaching. Is that all right, everybody? And then we're going to go and eat as much food as we can, and then we're going to roll home. Amen. <laughs> and everybody's welcome to join in, even if it's your first time here today. So glad that you're here. But I just want to make this comment, is that... 24 years the Real Life Church started, and we really believe it was of the Lord. The fruit is, um, supports that. But, you know, Rochelle and I, when we started, uh, we weren't really that clever at starting a church. We're still not that clever either. But really, literally, it was in the month of December, at some point, it's a little bit hazy in my mind, but we just decided because of where we're at in our lives, we're just trying to get the, the voice of the Lord, and things weren't particularly clear. And so I said, darling, let's just go and start a church. And we had the cho- we're thinking, maybe we'll go and start it in Cottesloe. <laughs> we really thought that. I was actually even thinking about a room. I just know where there's a room in Cottesloe, so I could go and start a church there. But we thought we'd start it in the center of the universe. <laughs> Cottesloe, yes. No regrets about that at all. And seriously, it was within four weeks, uh, thereabouts, just after January, then into early February, um, that we started Real Life Church. No planning, nothing at all. We had nothing, nothing. I remember as driving down the road, um, Calvin Road it was, Olga Road, um, c- turning left onto Atfield Street. It was 8 o'clock at night. We had Glenn Evanson in the back who sent his, sends his birthday wishes. He's in Melbourne at the moment. And um, Glenn and Sue. And we just pulled up in the dark. And there's a shop that was just empty. Literally, we just went bang, bang in this shop. And then Rochelle and Glenn said, why don't we phone up the real estate agent and see how much it costs to lease this place? And being the man of faith, I said, there's no way we'll be able to afford this. It's going to be, you know, we've only got just a handful of people. Anyway, they were right. I was wrong. We phoned them up and they did a deal. And that's where Real Life Church started on Atfield Street. And, you know, it was just a miracle. We had garden chairs. We didn't even have communion trays. What we did for communion trays is that somebody had a a woodworking machine and they drilled holes in a piece of wood for us to put the communion glasses in. Um, that's, we made our first, we had, somebody had a lathe and they made the handles for our offering bags. I think we might still have one or two of them down the back. Humble beginnings. And Rochelle and I thought we were just so inadequate. We really weren't up to the task at all. But somehow, by a miracle, 24 years later, here we are. And God is faithful. God is faithful. But I'll tell you something else is that we discovered a rich treasure. And the treasure is people. You came into our lives. People have journeyed with us for 24 years. And so it's true that Rochelle and I pioneered the church. But the truth is, it's built on the back of us all together. It's not just Rochelle and I. It's all of us together. And we bring something to the table. Some people have got great gifts and that, other smaller gifts. But together, we are strong. And we're part of the church in Gosnells. And so on behalf of Rochelle, I just want to thank you all. Um, for being part of Real Life Church. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your financial giving. Thank you for believing in missions. You know, um, just incredible. Um, And so it's because of people. It's the anointing of God. But without hearts that are open to the Lord, this never would have happened. We certainly didn't have the capacity for this, but together we've done mighty things. So I just want to say thank you to you all. I want to say thank you to um, our Connect Group leaders who will be leading our Connect Groups again. I want to thank the staff, and that's Pastor Bethran and Raju, Rochelle and, and, and Ryan and our cleaners who are part of the staff here. We thank, want to thank them, but all of our leaders in children, people everywhere that helps to make Real Life Church what it is today. 
Thank you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And why don't we just do, just, just out of curiosity for me, how many people were part of, in fact, we weren't even called Real Life Church. We used to be called Southern River Christian Church. That became a mouthful. When you're answering the phone every time, hello, Southern River Christian um, I'm glad we changed it. But I wonder how many people are with us in Atfield Street and you're with us today. If you are, could you stand to your feet if you can't? Wow, wow. Terrific. And the miracle is you still look just the same as you did 20 years ago. Wow, what a miracle. So God bless you all. But, you know, we thank God for the past, but we're looking to the future. You know, absolutely. Let's just pray. I just want to pray blessing upon you. I know some of you are facing... Uh, trials and you ha- you've come into church with burdens today and Pastor Bethwin alluded to the interest rates and the pressure that's put on and of course life is has its twists and turns doesn't it but we have a saviour who is faithful so we're going to pray now and as, as you know, I vocalise a general prayer why don't you bring your own prayer to the Lord maybe you need a miracle well dare to believe that miracles happen because we've had lots of miracles here we see it and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. He did miracles yesterday, yes, but he still does miracles today. And he loves you. And the presence of God is here. And you know, whatever your burden is, the Lord is greater than the burden that you carry today. And so, Father, we just come before you. And you know everybody in this room. You know what goes on in our hearts. You know what goes on in our lives. And so, Lord, we just pray for one another. We just bring our burdens to you. All sorts of burdens relational situations in our families, our kids, marriage. We bring all those burdens to you, Lord, our financial burdens, trying to pay our rent, trying to buy food, trying to pay the mortgage. These are legitimate burdens. We bring them to you. We bring our health to you. Lord, there's bugs going around and and sometimes we can be most unwell and so we bring health burdens to you. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, that you'll overshadow every single person in this room. And we pray whatever their need is today, that you'll set them free. We pray for miracles. We pray, Lord, you'll take bad situations and turn it around for good. We pray, Holy Spirit, you'll bring peace right now. We pray you'll bring encouragement right now. We pray for miracles to flow right through Real Life Church today. In the mighty name of Jesus, So in the name of Jesus Christ, may the Lord right now grant to you the desires of your heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I'm going to bring a message now and then we're going to have the cut of the cake and then we're going to eat some food. So could you make sure your mobile phones are switched off? Just check and you're going to say, oh, I did it. Just double check, Um, you know. Uh, that would be good. If you've got a little baby that's just enjoying the service and you think, oh, he's getting out of hand, what will I do? We do have um, a, a parent's room and, and that just to make it easy for you. But we just uh, want everybody to be ministered to today. So, Father, we just pray, Lord, as we just have a message based upon the Bible, that you'll speak to our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Rochelle actually said to me the other day, I should show the video clip of the church being put up, not the church, the cross being erected outside. Who's ever seen that video clip? I thought we might show that next week. 
What do you think? Also, the other thing that's going through my mind is we're looking for testimonies. Um, some people have already been filling out pieces of paper on the red top table where they can put their testimony down and put it in a box. And we've been reading through uh, some of them. Um, and Sam's going to share a testimony next week. But I'd like it. It'd be great if every service we had a testimony of what God has done. Amen. So if you've got a testimony, write it down on one of those bits of paper, put it in the box, and we'll contact you and get you to share your testimony on a Sunday morning. Amen. I'm going to read a passage of scripture for Matthew chapter 18. The title of this message is called The Church. And Matthew 18 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked them, But who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer, conquer it. In the Bible, in a book called Acts, Acts chapter 1, we read how the church had a very fragile and humble beginning with just a mere 120 people in an upper room in a tiny, dusty, dusty Roman province called Judea. And here we are, everybody, 2,000 years later, and there are now millions of people all around the world who belong to the church of Jesus Christ. How did that happen? It happened because those 120 first Christians had a revelation about Jesus Christ. They understood who Jesus was and why he had come. They understood that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that revelation of Jesus is the rock upon which Jesus has built his church down through the last 20 centuries. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is still building his church and the powers of hell will never conquer it. Praise the Lord. Now the church is not a building, even though we call the building the church. The church is not a building, not the church Jesus was talking about. The church is not a cathedral. The church is not a facility like this. Now we call this, this building a church, but it used to be a pot black place where they used to play pool. You could come here and the owner was a dealer in dope. Some of you remember well. But we've come here and we're dealers in hope. Amen. And our building, our building is very useful, absolutely. And it is a place of worship. We need to remember that and that's very important. It's a place of worship. But actually, our, our building is not, it's not the church. It's not. It's not the church. Neither is a church a denomination or an event. A church service is not the church. 
The church is people. Come on, come on. The church is the people. The church is God's tribe drawn from all the nations of the world. The church is a people whose God is the Lord Almighty. The church is those people who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The church is a group of people who follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And one day Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. Jesus is not coming back for a building. There's something I want to say, and I'm, I'm really just thinking, I just don't want to offend anybody. I really don't. He's not coming back. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. I just need to say this, because the church, the church that Jesus is talking about is not the one where somebody in Rome, in the Vatican, is ruling over. And it's not the church where you've got celebrity, you know, you've got celebrity pastors. They're not ruling over his church either. It is Jesus Christ who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and his church is made up of people all around the world who don't actually have to belong to a particular organization. And Jesus is coming back for his people. He's coming back for you. Now, here at Real Life Church. We as a group of people, we're a local church. And there's lots of good local churches here in Gosnells and in Perth, and we're one of them. And God has brought us here together for such a time as this. But we're also part of the church that started 2,000 years ago, and it's still going on today. We also have fellow brothers and fellow sisters all around the world worshipping Jesus Christ like we do. The church is in India. It's in Afghanistan. It's in Turkey. It's in Syria. It's in Africa, Asia, Australia. And Jesus Christ loves his church. It doesn't mean that Jesus always loves the way his people behave. Look at somebody on that one. Amen, amen, yeah. Talking about you. Amen. <laughs> but Jesus still loves his church. I feel very strong about this because I, I get you know, I get sick and tired of people criticizing the church. You know, we gotta love the church. I've had people say, I don't go to church anymore because it's full of hypocrites. Well, I say, well, one more won't hurt, will it? Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, <laughs> I guess if I'm going to offend anybody today, I might as well go all the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> my point is, you've got to love the church. Stick up for the church. It's like your family. You know, me and Rochelle could have an argument. Very really, I think it was five years ago when we had our last one. Amen. Amen. <laughs> My point is, we got our family. I can have an altercation with you know, my family, but woe be tired if anybody else picks on my family. Yeah. We can have our little arguments, but woe be tired anybody who picks on the church. Amen. Yeah. We've got to love the church. 
And, and, and we should, should show respect to others who follow Jesus, even if they're not part of our local church, even if they're part of another Christian tradition. If they're following Jesus, they're part of the church. Thank God for the church. The church is the salt of the earth. The church is the light of the world. The church of Jesus Christ is the most important group of people in Australia today. Absolutely, absolutely. You can name all sorts of groups you want. You can name political groups. I'm telling you right now, it's the church that's the most important group in Australia today. And I'll say this, and I, will, I can back this up because I know somebody's going to pick me up on this. This is a rational, intelligent statement I'm making. Amen. And there might not be too many more after this. But anyway, here we go. <laughs> Without the church, the world would have ceased to exist a long time ago. Absolutely. The world only exists because the church is here. Now, when you think about it, um, you could say those original 120 Christian people in that upstairs room, that upper room, they're our spiritual ancestors. Wow. Ever thought about that? <laughs> We're Christians today because of them. And we have the same revelation of Jesus Christ that they had. So what I want to do right now, I want to read from Acts chapter 1. I've selected scriptures and compressed it down and a little bit from Acts chapter 2. So are you ready, everybody? Here we go. I want to read about our spiritual ancestors. It says, um, after Jesus sent to heaven, the Bible says this. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. And when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who, who arrested Jesus. Now what I want to do is just jump over to Acts 2, and that'll put it all together in a few moments. Now Acts ch chapter 2, verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, King James Version says, and in one accord. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like the flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit of God gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward and the 11 other apostles, with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I know a number of people, that, that, that is not too early for them. But anyway, it's, you know, times have changed. <laughs> the Apostle Peter then says, No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then, Peter, then Peter preached and he gave a really long sermon. And then at the end of the sermon, still in Acts chapter 2, it says, Then those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Could you say that's amazing? 
This upper room, upstairs, upper room event where our spiritual ancestors first met, it actually provides us today with a template for us to follow here at Real Life Church and for all Christians to follow around the world. And so I just want to very briefly, because I'm looking forward to the cutting of the cake, but I want to very briefly uh, consider what they did in that upper room. Are you ready, everybody? You know, I'm speaking to us all today, so here we go. Who thinks my voice can hold out to the end of the message? (laughs) The very first thing that the original Christians did after Jesus ascended to heaven, the very first thing they did was that they simply gathered together. They used an upstairs room to have a meeting. But why did they immediately gather together for a meeting? Why didn't they just go home? Well, they gathered together because Jesus said to them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you to the gift he promised. In just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and in Gosnells. Amen. Amen. To the ends of the earth. So gathering together was the very first thing that the first Christians did. They didn't go to separate rooms, five over here, two over there, or their individual rooms. They came together in one room. And today, followers of Jesus Christ still gather together. Because that's what believers have always done and will do. And that's because Christianity doesn't happen. It can't really happen in isolation. An isolated Christian who chooses to be that way, that's a distortion of the plan and the will of the Lord. Christianity happens in community. And we need fellowship with other believers. The Bible says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So right from the start of the church, the principle of gathering together was established. The church is us together. It's us. We are the church. Us. It's always been like that. And always be, it will always be us together. We're heaven's family on earth together. The 120 original Christians then... So they gathered. Then nextly, they they gathered together, but they did so with an expectation that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They they had really, they had no idea what the Holy Spirit was going to do. They they didn't know what it was going to look like. Jesus didn't tell them that. They didn't know that they were going to speak in tongues. I mean, that had never been heard of before. But what they did have was an expectation of an encounter with God. In the same way, when we come together, when you come together, when we gather together with other believers, let's stir ourselves to have an expectation that God is going to meet with us in some way. When you come into church, just don't think, oh, just another service. Start to think, what is God going to do and say to me today? Now, there's many sorts of gatherings in our society some people gather for sport. Some gather for a you know, shared hobby. Some gather for work. And, you know, belonging to a community is healthy and good. We understand that. But the one thing 
that separates us, the church, from all other community gatherings is that we come to meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We meet with our Creator and our Saviour. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And God's not with any other community other than the church. And God is here right now. And God has something to say to you. Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today? God has something to say to you. God has something to give to you. God wants to meet with you and fill your heart with hope. Fill your heart with peace. You can't get that in any other community gathering. So the early church gathered together. What a great example. And they gathered with an expectation of meeting with God. And we should always do the same when we come to real life church. You know, um, honestly, every preacher you know, who comes up here and preaches, I, you know, they, they do their best when they preach. Every preacher we have at Real Life Church puts tremendous effort into their messages. But you know what can transform our sermons and make them even better is when we all come together with a sense of expectation. And when there's a hunger in the house and the anointing of God starts to move and he draws something out of the preacher and the Holy Spirit has his way and he ministers to people and then we all go home richer than the way we came in. Come on, come on. See, church, really, I know we're sitting in rows and I know it's all tradition. There's a history there. I get all of that. But really, there's a sense in which our service is a participatory, participatory. Somebody else say that word for me. It's, a, it's an event where you engage. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> okay, moving on. Now, the original 100, so they gathered, they gathered with expectation. Now, the original 120 Christians ended up gathering for, listen to this, they had a 10-day meeting as a waited for the Holy Spirit to come. 10 days is a long time for a church service. It's a long meeting. But it's interesting to note, everybody, that, the, in, that in the Bible, the number 10 is often associated with testing. Testing. For example, the Ten Commandments are a test of our obedience. Tithing, which is 10%, is a test of the heart. The ten virgins that were waiting for the bridegroom, they were tested for their perseverance as they waited for the arrival of the bridegroom. And that first gathering of the church was for 10 days. What's that saying to us? It's saying, saying in that gathering, they gathered with expectation, but God was testing their hearts. God was testing their hearts. Were they hungry for the Holy Spirit? Are you going to go the distance? Were they willing to have all that God had for them? In the same way, when we gather together as a church to encounter God, then God will test our hearts. For the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And God is looking at your heart right now. And you want him, you, you want him to test your heart because the Bible tells us to guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. You want the Lord to check and test your heart for the sake of your spiritual health. You want to be convicted if something is not right in your attitude. You want to be convicted 
If you're yielding to temptation, it could, that conviction could save your soul. You want the Lord to test your heart because that's healthy for you. And that happens here in this gathering. That's why coming together in the name, in the name of the Lord with a soft but expectant heart is so important. Then over the 10 days in the upper room, the Bible tells us that the 120 met together and were constantly united in prayer. I read that. We also read how Peter took time to open up the Scriptures and bring a message from the Scriptures as they addressed the need for someone to replace Judas Iscariot. So they prayed in the upper room. They focused on God's Word. And being Jewish, they most definitely would have sung hymns and psalms of praise to God as well. They fellowshiped together and they waited on the Holy Spirit. That's what happened in that upper room. And that is what believers should do today. It's our template for church today. So the first believers gathered together with soft and expectant hearts. They prayed. They had time in the Word. They worshipped. They fellowshiped together. Then on the 10th day, Acts chapter 2 says this, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Pentecost was a Jewish feast. So Jerusalem, where they were, was just packed with visitors. But God's attention was not on the visitors to Jerusalem. God's attention was upon the small band of believers in that upper room. Because ladies and gentlemen, his attention is always on his church. Football season's about to start, AFL. Optus Stadium will be packed over and over again over the next few months as people go to the footy. But you know, while they're playing footy, great. But God's attention will not be on the football game. God's attention will be where his people are gathering to worship him in the name of the Lord. His attention is upon you today. And that little band of 120, they were together. They were of one heart. And the Bible says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity for there, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life. Forevermore. And the Bible says then, suddenly there was this sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, and it settled on their heads, it settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other tongues or languages that they'd never heard, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Those 120 believers were filled with God, the Holy Spirit. And then after being filled with the Holy Spirit, everything's happening. God showed up. Then they just poured out from the upper room down the stairs out onto the streets. They came out on the streets and they're having their meeting out on the streets. And they were noisy. They were joyful. They were speaking in tongues by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the crowds came running to see what was going on. And some thought the believers were drunk and they made fun of them. But the Apostle Peter found something to stand on, probably a milk crate. Amen. And he, and he stood on it and he looked over the crowd. He shouted really loud like I'm doing. And he, he preached about Jesus to the crowd that had gathered around him, around them. And, and the people in the crowd, as Peter preached, Because the Holy Spirit was there, he preached the Holy Spirit was there. He preached the Word and the Holy Spirit was there. As he preached, the people in the crowd were convicted of their sin. 
It was like a knife going into their spirits. They were convicted of their sin as Peter spoke about Jesus. Then when Peter finished preaching, over 3,000 people placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Like the 120 in the upper room, those 3,000 people have come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And they were baptized and added to the church that day. Amen, amen. <laughs> please note that the 120, I'm nearly finished, but please note this. I want to wrap this up in a minute. Please note that the 120 people in the upper room did not stay in the upper room. It's really important to note that. They didn't stay there and say, oh, we're going to just, this is all we're going to do, just keep meeting in the upper room. They gathered together. They met with God. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. But then they went back out into the world so they could be the light to the world. They went out so others had a chance to know Jesus Christ just like them. In the same way, we meet together, but then it's time to go home. We meet together. That's really, really important. But it's time to go home. It will be time to go home. It's important, it's important to gather, but then it's important to go back home. It's important to go back home to where you live. It's important to go home to be with the ones that you really, really love. We go to work. We go to school. We go to university. We're mixed with all sorts of people. And every person in your life, listen, every person in your life is important to God. And we go home Having gathered, we go home because we have a mission. And our mission, like the 120's mission, is to take Jesus into all the places where we do life. Our mission is to win the lost, just like the 120 did when they came out of the upper room. And how, how do we fulfill our mission? Our, our context perhaps is a little bit different, but we, we fulfill our mission by living out our faith before our family and friends. And if we get an opportunity to speak about Jesus, listen, when we get the opportunity to speak about Jesus, we do so with respect, but boldness and passion in the name of the Lord. We don't try and Christianize people. Listen, 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 listen. I spoke about this a few weeks ago or last year. Keep the main thing the main thing. Don't go and have arguments about the social issues. Don't criticize the way people are living. You can win an argument but lose a soul. We don't try and Christianize people with our beliefs. We just focus on Jesus Christ so our listeners will come to understand that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's it. That 120, they're our template. And then one day, Jesus is going to come again. Today would be a good day after we've eaten our food. Amen. Amen. And if there's some cheesecake out there, especially after the cheesecake has been in. And on that day, you know, Jesus comes back again. And on that day, we're all going to gather. See, the church gathers. His church all together for the first time in human history. The church from all around the world, from all past. And the future, we don't know how long we've got. We'll be gathered together in one place before the throne of God. The church, the bride of Christ, will come together. But until then, by the way, I'm going to check out the 120 while I'm in heaven. I just want you all to know that. Now, I want to check on those guys, you know. 
But until then, let's do what the 120 did at the beginning. We gather together with expectant and soft hearts. We pray. We get into the Bible. We praise. We worship. We encounter God. And then we go home and we take Jesus to those people in our lives who interact with us. Amen. That is the end of the message, everybody. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Uh, we've got about ten and a half months left of this year. So Real Life Church, I want to say this to you. One, one more thing I want to say to you, and I want to pray, and then we're going to cut the cake. Real Life Church, look at my eyes, my blue eyes. Look at me, look at me. Stuff's going to happen this year. Interest rates might go up higher. I don't know. Stuff's going to happen. We might have more natural disasters. I don't know. You don't know. We might have an earthquake like Turkey. I don't know. You don't know. But listen, the stuff might happen in your family. You don't know. We don't know. But we know him who knows the future. And all I'm simply saying is this. No matter what happens, stay the course. Stay the course. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Don't go to your past. Stay the course. And God will bless you and he will reward you for your faithfulness. And so, Father, I thank you for Real Life Church. I thank you for my friends. And it's been a fun year. It's been a fun 24 years. Thank you that you've brought together people who have been with us for such a long time. And there's new people here today. They're our new friends. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the past. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, I thank you for each precious person here today. Lord, I don't know everything, what's going on in people's lives, but you do. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that you'll encourage them today to stay the course, keep their focus upon Jesus, to keep gathering together, and also, Lord, to have that expectant heart. I bless this church. I pray that the next 10 months will be our best 10 months that we've ever had in the name of Jesus. And one more thing, Lord, I pray that all of us will have the opportunity to share Jesus with those that we love. This year we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. You may be sitting, we're going to have the cut of the cake on this table. Amen.